Thanks, Ryan. Hey, Chapel family, good to see all of you this morning. Uh, I was thinking as we were singing that, that, that tail end of that song, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him, uh, there's a brand new Advent devotional out by Paul David Tripp that Lisa and I, we just started, and it's called, Oh, Come Let Us, Come Let Us Adore Him. And man, if you're not checking in on something uh, into God's Word over the Advent season, kind of preparing our hearts for Christmas, I just encourage you to check out that one or follow our Beyond the Weekends and uh, love to kind of just... Set, settle in a little bit in the midst of this season. Last weekend, we began a brand new message series called Unwrapping Christmas. And so week by week, we're kind of unwrapping some of the traditions that kind of come along with Christmas to discover the real why behind them. Like, why do we really all do all these things? Last weekend, we talked about why gifts. Like, why do we do that? Is it just a nice thing to do? Or are the roots of gift-giving in the very first Christmas. God gave the greatest of gifts, right? Next weekend, we'll talk about why singing, like why all the caroling, why all the music uh, in the mall. We'll talk about that. Uh, the final week, we'll talk about why generosity. Why is it a, at Christmas time? I just saw a, a chapel couple over at Hobby Lobby yesterday, and they were, they were shivering because they were getting ready to, to uh, ring the bell and, and help serve with the Salvation Army and just collect funds and why, why do, at Christmas time, why are we more apt towards generosity, towards serving others, towards giving things away? There's deep roots in all of these traditions, but so many times, tradition just becomes tradition. It's an empty thing that we do, and it's not until we unwrap it and really discover the why behind it that we, yeah, realize its true meaning and the richness of it all. So this weekend, we want to talk about why family? Most all of us associate Christmas with family, right? Like, I hope you get to spend some time with your family. Family's going to come in. Family's going to travel other places. We love spending time together as family, especially around the holidays. We just had our girls home from uh, college on Thanksgiving, and I never understood when my parents would say to us, you know, all we want for Christmas this year is for just everybody to be together. And when I was a kid, I'm like, really? That's all you want? Like, you don't want, like, a real gift? Like, something? I didn't understand what it meant to have family all together until some of our kids were old enough to head off to college and be away. And, and just over Thanksgiving, I mean, we weren't even doing anything. We were just all sitting on the couch together, but all in one room around each other. And I realized what a blessing that was. In fact, while, while, we were, uh, while they were home for Thanksgiving, we spent some time. We, we watched a few Christmas movies to start getting in the spirit. We put up the Christmas tree, and I was thinking about all the different classic Christmas movies and how almost every single one of them involves family, right? And in any family gathering, uh, there's also usually some interesting characters, right? There's, some, there's a little bit of dysfunction in every single family unit. So I was thinking about that. I mean, there, there's the, you know, there's well, there's, you know, that, that one family member that just doesn't really understand social boundaries, right? Or, or they just show up whenever and wherever, like Uncle Eddie. Or uh, there's the over-exuberant, like, I mean, Christmas spirit cheerleader in your family, like, and you're like, okay, I know it's Christmas, but like, chill, right? 
Um, or there's that, that family member that just doesn't seem to fit in, right? I mean, they're, they're just a little different. They're just a little bit out there. It might be one of your own immediate, it might be an extended family member. Maybe it's like just that crazy neighbor that always seems to show up and come over at Christmas. Or uh, maybe, you know, Christmas time, there's somebody that needs their mouth washed out with soap. Like you're like, oh, hey, uncle, so-and-so, please watch your mouth around the kids, right? Um, or there's a, just the over-expressive, over-emotional person that's at the Christmas gathering uh, or in your family. Or <coughs> there's the, the Scrooge, the, the bah humbug, the, the, the one that's like, eh, I don't even know why we do all this. Or there's just the downright like angry one whose heart is just stone cold. <laughs> Family. Now, what we want to do in our time together is certainly think about our family gatherings, but why is family gathering so important at Christmas time? Why has it become such a tradition? And for a few minutes, we want to think even broader about the family of Jesus, the family tree of Jesus, and discover some things about his family that mean something for our family gatherings as well. Now, there's an ancient prophecy that's often read around the Christmas season out of the book of Isaiah. In fact, several prophecies come out of the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament before Jesus was ever born and walked the earth, and they're all pointing to the promised Messiah, Savior, the, the Christ. And this is one of those, Isaiah chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of all the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and the breath of his lips will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. And in that day, it says, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Now, this prophecy was given during a pretty tumultuous time in the nation of Israel. In fact, Israel was divided as a nation into a northern and a southern kingdom. And while one kingdom had utterly been almost wiped out, destroyed, the, the fear and worry was that the other kingdom was going to be utterly destroyed and the hope of this great nation and all that God had promised that would come through it was faltering. And yet in the midst of this time of despair and hopelessness, this prophecy is shared. And remember what verse 1 said? It says, out, a shoot will come up out of the stump of Jesse. It's as if the great nation of Israel had been literally lopped off, chopped down, and yet, a shoot was starting to spring up even out of that stump. Uh, my son Carter and I, he's 15 now, uh, 
this past year, year and a half, uh, we've been mowing his Mimi's lawn together. Well, he's mostly doing it. Uh, we, I've trained him, you know, and I showed him how I like to do things, but then I had to release it and be like, no, you do it your way. And so he's been going over and, and he's been mowing the lawn, but there was one place in her yard where they had to have a big tree chopped down. We were so grateful because it had all these oh, pellet thingies like uh, with pods, and I mean, it was a complete disaster. It was a mess. They chopped it down, but they never ground the stump. And you know what's happening now? Sometimes we have to mow right over the shoot that is coming up out of the stump. Because there's something still alive in the root system, and something is trying to come up out of the stump. And so it was this promise to, to Jesse, to the nation of Israel, that through Jesse's son, David, a Savior would eventually born in this family line, predicting the birth of Jesus the Christ. And what's interesting is you go all the way to the very end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, and Jesus makes this proclamation. He says, I, Jesus, am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Now, these Old Testament prophecies, sometimes they're, they're hard to understand. I don't know about you, maybe some of you have tried to, anybody here tried to like make a New Year's resolution to read through the whole Bible? Anybody ever, ever tried that? It's, it, it's not for the faint of heart, is it? Like, you, you start in Genesis, and you're like, okay, this is kind of good. Like, man, the, the very beginning of everything, creation account, right? And you, you move into Exodus, and it's like, okay, yeah, God's got a people for himself, and he's going to free these people, the nation of Israel, out of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh. So, it's, it's, you know, things are going pretty well. And then you hit Leviticus and Numbers, and it's like so-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who was the son of so-and-so, who was the father of so-and-so. And, and you go, why, why all these genealogies? Why all these family trees? There doesn't seem to be a lot there, does there? It's not real interesting. It's, it, it doesn't um, illuminate the imagination. It, there's no storyline to it. And so, so you Oftentimes, people give up in the Old Testament at that point, and you know, they go, well, I'm just going to start the New Testament. What's interesting, though, is you come to Matthew, the very first gospel, the very first book of the New Testament, and what do you find in Matthew chapter 1 through 116? Another genealogy. But this time, it's the genealogy of Jesus. It's the family tree of Jesus. And I want us to take a few minutes to think about Jesus' family line, because it has something to say about our families today, why family is so important. Now, what, interestingly, what we find in the family tree of Jesus, all the way from Abraham to Christ himself, are a lot of Scrooges, <laughs> are a lot of Cousin Eddie kind of characters, and in, in that day and age, like, if you were somebody reputable, when you shared about your family line, your family history, your family heritage, you didn't share the, you know, the sketchy characters. You stayed above reproach. But that's part of what makes the family line of Jesus so interesting. For instance, Abraham. Abraham is known as the, as the father of faith, and yet Abraham came from a family full of idol worshipers. 
And yet Abraham is who a promise, a great and grand promise was made about the future of the nation of Israel. Or think about Jacob. Jacob, uh, well, he wrestled for the blessing of God, but Jacob also was known to be a deceiver. And yet, he's included in the family line of Jesus. Or what about David? Many of us know him as labeled as a man after God's own heart, but, but David was also an adulterer. David also had a hand in a murder of Uriah the Hittite. And yet David is included in the family tree of Jesus. Like, why would you include people like this in the line of Jesus? Or think about Solomon. Solomon is known for his wisdom. In fact, he had the gift of wisdom. The Bible says that he was the wisest man that had ever lived. The book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes attributed most likely to Solomon. Such grand wisdom. And yet, so many times in Solomon's life, he made poor choices. He didn't follow his own wisdom. Certainly not the wisdom of God that was given to him as a gift. And yet Solomon is included in the family line and family tree of Jesus. You see, there's something more to the, these genealogies and what they have to teach us. In fact, uh, the, the, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew goes on and he does something that we don't typically find in other gene, genealogies, and that's include the names of women. This was a super patriarchal society, and Matthew highlights several women as well in the line of Jesus. But again, not the most reputable characters. There's Tamar, uh, the prostitute, uh, disguised herself as a prostitute so that she could get into the family. And yet this lady, who had faith, was in the line of Jesus. Or Bathsheba, that's who David committed adultery with. Now, she might have had a, not a whole lot of, uh, you know, decision in the situation since David was king at the time, and yet she gave in. And she's known for her adultery. And yet it was through Bathsheba and through her lineage that the Savior, Jesus Christ, would come. She, too, is included in the family tree of Jesus. Or Ruth. Ruth from the Old Testament. She was a, a part of the Moabite clan. They were idol worshipers, um, pagan. And yet Ruth is included in the family line of Jesus. Or Rahab. Rahab, another prostitute. In fact, probably ran a brothel herself. And yet, because of her faith, she was rewarded for protecting some of God's people. And she, too, is included in the family. Are you catching on here? Like, all these characters. So the question is, why? Why family? And why all the sketchy family members in the family line of Jesus Christ? Well, first and foremost, I think that the, the family tree of Jesus really tells us something about the very heartbeat of God. 
that, that, that God chooses to show grace, that God chooses to use very imperfect people. In fact, I think the, the family tree of Jesus shows us that if, man, if those people could be included, if the cousin Eddie's could be included, if the, if the Grinches could be included, if the Rahab's and Tamar's could be included, if the David's could be included, then maybe there's hope for you and me. And for those in our life that we know and love and care about and work with and go to school with, that we think are, are so far <laughs> from Jesus. Maybe there's hope for them too. Maybe there's hope for the low life. Maybe there's hope for the downtrodden. Maybe there's hope for the addict. Maybe there's hope for the dysfunctional. Maybe there's hope for the broken. Guys, this is what the family tree of Jesus teaches us. Interestingly, when Jesus was walking this earth, there's a situation where he was uh, interrupted in the midst of his teaching because his, some of his physical family had shown up. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 and following says, As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers, they're, they're standing outside and they want to speak to you. And Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he pointed to his disciples and he said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. He said, anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, at first glance, we can read this passage and be like, wow, he was, was he being like kind of down on his family? Was he discrediting his family? earthly, physical, blood-lined family, and I don't think that's what Jesus was doing. Jesus was making a point here. Jesus was helping the people then, and he wants to help us realize right now that the importance and the way that somebody steps into the family of God is not because of blood, but because of belief. That's how we enter the family of God. He said, listen, the one that believes, the one that does the will of my Father in heaven, that's my brother and my sister and my mother. When I think about Christmas, it is such a time of gathering. I can't wait till Laney and Gracie come back home from college, and we'll get not just a few days, but we'll get a few weeks together. I, I look forward to gathering with other extended family. I look forward to, to, to being with friends and celebrating with our staff. And, but in the midst of all these gatherings, there will be imperfect people, <laughs> me included. We'll, we'll rub each other the wrong way sometimes. We'll fall short sometimes. But what gets us into the family of God, thank God, is not our perfection. It's not how well we are put together or if and when we get it together. What brings us into the family of God is the very grace of God. 
And what the family tree of Jesus shows us is that there's room for everybody. There's room for everyone. So I want to give us a couple next steps. The first step is we need to just open our hearts to Jesus. Open our hearts to Jesus. If the family tree of Christ shows us the very heartbeat of God, which is an open heart that, that invites, which, which welcomes imperfect, flawed characters, then if there's anything that's kept us from coming into, coming into a relationship with Jesus, from opening up our hearts to Jesus, we need to open up. Uh, last weekend, I think you guys, um, this verse was shared with you when we talked about gifts. John 1.12 says, But to, to all who believed him, that is, believed in Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's how we enter the family of God. It's through belief. And in a gathering like this, there's a good chance that there's people that have come today and maybe you've been religious your whole life or maybe, man, you've been irreligious and you're just like, I don't even know why I'm here. Somebody made me come. Or, oh, well, we thought maybe we just try it out or check it out. Maybe you've thought, oh, the church is going to fall in if, if I enter in. Or, or maybe you've thought, I don't, I don't know what God thinks about me. Or maybe you think, I do know what God thinks about me. Or at least I think I know what God thinks about me. And I'd never fit in with those people. The family tree of Jesus says otherwise. It says there's hope for every single person. So open your heart. Open your heart to Jesus. I'm telling you, we can sing all the Christmas songs. We can hang the lights. We can light candles. But it's only going to mean something at a very surface, traditional level until we've really come into a real living relationship with Jesus. That's why in the series, we're trying to unwrap it all so that we can discover the real gift. We can discover what family can mean. When you step into the family of God, when you accept Jesus by faith, turn away from our own sin and turn to Jesus as Savior and Lord, you don't just experience forgiveness and hope. You inherit a whole new family. You, you inherit a church family that will be there for you, that will love you, that will walk with you. Open your heart to Jesus. The second thing is for all the rest of us, no matter where we've been, and that's to open our heart to others. If there's one thing that the family tree of Jesus teaches us, is that everybody's welcome. And so if we're called to be Jesus representatives here in this world, we've got to open ourselves. I love when the Apostle Paul said, I've opened my heart wide unto you. Now I implore you, open your hearts wide to me. To open our heart to other people. Yes, to the Cousinettis. <laughs> to, to the one that we're already anxious about seeing them at the Christmas gathering. 
I heard a quote the other day by Andy Stanley. He said this. He said, the more aware I am of what God has yet to do in me, the less aware I am and the less consumed I am by what he has yet to do in the other people around me. Man, as we enter into Christmas and we gather with family and we gather with friends and we celebrate with coworkers, it's so easy to just hone in, focus in on all the faults, the imperfections. And yet, what if we, what if we focus more on our own imperfections and our own faults so that we're not consumed with pointing fingers or judging? In fact, what if the opposite was true? What if this Christmas, what we became all consumed with was not looking and finding other people's faults? What if we were consumed with being the family of Jesus, being love, being grace, being hope, being righteousness, being compassion, being forgiveness. You guys, those are all the things that Jesus is, and those are all the things that make a family incredible. So let's be that this Christmas. What I love is that at the table of Jesus, everybody's welcomed. When, when you came in this, this morning, hopefully you received a, a, pre, a little prepackaged communion element. And if you did, I'm, I'm going to ask you to pull those out. And if you, for some reason, did not get uh, some communion elements, just uh, raise a hand. And our team members, they're glad to swing by and, and get you one. And if you pull back the, the thin, clear layer, you come to a little wafer. Communion is a time of celebrating Jesus, the one that was promised way back in the book of Isaiah, the shoot of Jesse that would rise up, that would be born in a manger, but then would go to a cross and give away his body, be broken for us. Jesus gathered with his disciples and he broke bread. He took a tangible object and he said, this bread represents my body that is given for you. And he said, do this and remember me. So let's remember Jesus as we take the bread. And then if you peel back the foil layer, it's a little tougher. You come to the juice. When Jesus gathered with his disciples and they shared that meal, they ate bread together. They shared life together. They probably laughed together. They probably reflected together. And yet they were looking ahead. At least Jesus was. He, he was anticipating the cross. And so after the meal was served, he passed a cup amongst his disciples, and they all shared it. Why? Because they were all part of the family, even Judas, the betrayer, was there. And Jesus passed the cup, and he said, this cup, it represents my blood that will be poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Jesus, guys, this is so crazy. Jesus, when he knew that Judas was going to betray him, still welcomed him to the table and he served him. Because that's what family does. Jesus passed the cup and he said, take this, drink it, and do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we're here today and we're grateful. We're grateful for your love, for your forgiveness, for your grace. God, we admit that too many times when it comes to some of our own family, we don't, we don't reach out or we don't treat one another with the same love and grace that you've treated us with. God, I pray that we would be more intentional than ever as we approach this Christmas season, that we'd realize that family and gathering as a family, it's much, much more than just a tradition or something to do. It's a reminder to us of the, the broad spectrum of imperfect, flawed people that you welcome. And so help us to welcome as well. To that end, we pray and ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.